to take mm. and get my journey on the roadmap, the American dream started again after I lost everything in 2008. Wow. Now I own a portfolio of all these properties. I must own 50, 60 properties all over the country. You have to underconsume, folks. The biggest thing I can tell you is the biggest lie in this country is live within your means. You got to live below your means and allocate as much to invest as you can. Welcome to The Remix, the video podcast that keeps you in the mix of everything real estate. I'm Noelle Fryson and... I'm Eric Anderson and we're so excited to have you all here today. We're going to talk about how crypto and inflation affect real estate. This is a great topic. I've been um, so excited to hear about this today. It's just amazing. So, am I. so one, I need to know what is crypto and we're going to talk about that and how I can use it. And then how is inflation? You can't use it, so stay away. Stay away? Yeah. Well, probably. But as always, we have our power panel. And today on our power panel is Omar Sharif. He is our investor expert. He is our residential expert. You're an expert all around. You also development. Recently developer. Yes. But he's not an expert in cryptocurrency. He's not yeah. an expert no. in crypto, but we have an expert <laughs> in crypto. And he is Josh Cadillac. Now, I'm going to read this so... I get it all. Hey, right. Josh, welcome to our podcast. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's it's great to be here. Oh, we're excited to have you. You know, one of one of my favorite things about you, before Noel really gets into it, is just um, I love your last name, dude. Josh Cadillac. Like I have There's a couple a story Cadillacs. About your last name in the book. Who doesn't love a Cadillac? So I guess um, because I love Cadillacs, I'm going to love you. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say today. So Noel, tell us about him. Okay, I'm going to let everyone know a little bit about Josh. I'm reading it so I don't get it mixed up. Josh Cadillac is a real estate coach, national speaker, and author who trains real estate professionals how to close for life. He's written numerous courses, including the first crypto and real estate course approved for CE in Florida, and only the third one approved nationwide. Wow. He's a top producer, the author of The Roadmap to the American Dream, a simple guide that explains how investing works. And he also runs the commercial and crypto metaverse division of Real Estate Empire Group. Josh, you are a renaissance man. Jumping into the metaverse. I don't even know where to go with that one. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, there, was a, there was a big push to have somebody in the space when it was hot. And I mean, the, the more research we did on it, it's something that's kind of a, something we put as a kind of a placeholder for the timing. It, it's something that's going to have value at some point, but the technology really isn't there to make it something that's got the broad-based appeal that it's going to be. But but being ready to enter the space, seeing as it, at, it as something that at some point will have value um, and trying to just stay ahead of that curve it is really all that entails at this point. Cryptocurrency is is further along in that development. There's already deals that are getting done in cryptocurrency. So it, it's something that somebody, as the real estate professionals in the room, as the ones that are supposed to have the answers to how real estate gets done, we need to be aware of it and, and be out in front of it. Sure. So didn't I'm, I'm, I'm guessing crypto kind of started the same way. It was kind of, what is this? Where is it coming from? And someone thought of it like a placeholder for metaverse. And, and now it is what it is, or, or it is what it was. And who knows? So tell us, like, Cryptocurrency, how have you used that in real estate? Because we well, talk about people all the time. How, what is, like, how does it work? Right, well, how does crypto work? Because Noel doesn't guys know. know. Explain it to me. All right. So, so the deal to, to really understand what cryptocurrency is and, and why it has value, 
the, the place you have to start is the idea of a blockchain. And a blockchain is kind of the, the way that all of this information is stored and carried forward. The problem with cryptocurrency in general, or or, or digital money, I should say, because before Bitcoin, there was digital money. But the, they always had the same problem. If you could go find the file on your computer where the digital money was held, and you hit Control-C and Control-V, copy-paste, you now had just doubled your wealth in that digital money. And so there was there was always ways to take and screw that up. When Bitcoin came around with this idea of the blockchain, which is kind of a um, best way I could kind of explain it is a whole bunch of computers everywhere around the world know exactly how much money you have in your wallet. And they're all cross-checking and fact-checking that to make sure that that's correct all at the same time. So to mess with it, you'd have to get like all these computers to all agree that something wrong, that something fraudulent is going on in there. Usually I do this with a PowerPoint slide and it's a little bit easier to take with the visual, but in general, that's the idea. And so the way a blockchain basically works is you have this, we'll say like, imagine like a little cash drawer or a little box even. And what you're doing is you're going out and you're buying stuff all day long and you're putting receipts in that box, right? And when that box gets full, what you're going to do is you're going to total up everything that's in that box. And before you close the lid, you're going to put one more receipt in that box that has the total of everything that's in that box. And you close that box. That's the first link in a blockchain. That's kind of what it would be like. They make a duplicate of that receipt. And that 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 top receipt, that total of what's in that block is the first thing that starts that next block. And so that means that every single block in that blockchain is referencing the previous blocks. That doesn't seem like it should be all that powerful. The thing is, the system that they use, this, this method of verifying and encrypting this information. They encrypt those receipts. That process is where the cryptocurrency gets its name from, the encryption of this information. That process is so energy intensive that to create a fraudulent transaction, the type of energy it would take, computational energy it would take to put a fraudulent transaction in Bitcoin would exceed the computing capacity of any one country in the world. Wow! Multiple countries would have to get together in order to provide the computing power to overwhelm the Bitcoin network to create a fraudulent transaction. What that means is basically you now have a way of having money kept in such a way that nobody can perpetrate fraud on that, that currency. And the other thing that makes it so powerful is kind of the idea that we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with a lot of inflation in the US. I say a lot, you know, relatively, a lot for us, not a lot compared to Germany after World War One or some of the stuff that we've seen in South America, but a lot for us. Well, with Bitcoin in particular, there's a fixed supply. There's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin, period, for the whole world to share. And so this means because there's a, a fixed supply the, and because there's no, no one that runs or owns Bitcoin, there's no ability to take and increase that supply as they did with our money, which made our money less valuable. And so that gives you a thing. And, and if there's one book I could encourage everybody to take a look at, it's going to sound like it's a, a big flag-waving book for cryptocurrency, and it's really not. It's one of the best economics books I've ever read. There's a book called The Bitcoin Standard, and, and it talks about in the first half of that book the true investment value, the true value to a society of, of money that is good, hard money that can't be devalued. Strong money that that retains its value is the linchpin of any economy's being ability to grow and for people to build wealth. The U.S. has been very good at building wealth on, over the course of its history, and more, more, 
Unlike many other countries, we stayed on the gold standard much longer than most countries did, and we had stable money for a very long time. And so without getting into the weeds too far, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, the, the reason why it exists is kind of fighting these problems. And the one other problem that I would say to you, Noel, if I'm going to try to answer that question fully, as somebody that's in real estate, you'll get this. Ever have a closing that you want to do and you can't close it because the person at the bank can't be bothered to push the little send wire button after 3 p.m. Sure, one day, yeah. day uh, or, or, or maybe um, you know it's a weekend or a holiday or I don't know. The bank just decided to be closed today. Who knows? These guys had that. It, it's your money you're trying to access, but you have to go beg somebody to give you access to your money. With cryptocurrency, that middleman, that person goes away. I want to send you my money. I send my money directly from me, directly to you without having to ask anybody for permission. If that means we want to close on a house at midnight in our swimming pool, in our shorts, we can do it. And that, Good. That, All, right. That, All right. So now, so now tell us, how, how do you use that in real estate? How have you used it? Like, how do people right, do so deals with crypto in real estate? Do people do we deals? Do people. With, yeah, do they? And the deals there they have, did. There have been numerous deals that have closed in cryptocurrency. Um realistically are they clo are crypto deals closing right now today no with the with the devaluation of cryptocurrency that we've seen the kind of this what i like to call it as a redo of the internet boom and bust of the early 2000s we're kind of seeing that exact same thing we're seeing all the all the losers get out of the space all the people that were you know fly by night posers whatever they're all getting wiped out a and that's good it was good when it happened to the internet and, and a lot of those internet technology companies went out of business or got gobbled up. This is good what's going on right now from the standpoint of, of getting back to the, the the pure ideas that make this thing valuable. So can you, can you give us an example of a deal that you've experienced that has closed via crypto and then sure. how that we would or a, wouldn't happen now? We did a $7.4 million condo down in Miami Beach. Um, that was an all crypto deal. That was crypto. The person took and did what, we suggested because one of the interesting things with crypto is it's it's an alternate currency, right? And so its valuation fluctuates and that valuation fluctuating can create some serious needs for antacids if you're the buyer and you're expecting <laughs> to deliver a certain number of dollars worth of crypto at the closing table. So um, what the buyers did was transfer out of the crypto that they were in to a stable coin, another type of crypto. Uh, then a stable coin is going to be a coin whose value is tied to something else. In this case, it was a stable coin whose value was tied to the dollar. So it is going to take and perfectly match the U.S. dollar or nearly perfectly match the U.S. dollar in value. So as soon as they made that transfer, they had the funds necessary to close this transaction. And that largely has been how we've seen these crypto deals done. People have Bitcoin or Ethereum or or whatever coin. They'll take and they'll sell out of that coin into a stable coin and they'll use that stable coin to take and fund the transaction. There are hurdles with this though. So they do need a middleman. So it's not like a true one for one type scenario where you're walking in with crypto and buying that house. It's not really. Um, well, I mean, it's still the, 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 the stable coin is still, uh, is still crypto. Okay. It's, it's still digital money. It's not like I'm exchanging it for dollars for fiat currency. It's still digital money, and I am still capable. I mean, the closing in those deals were were basically cash deals. There was no borrowed money involved, so it was a transaction from one wallet to the other wallet. But they all did choose at this point to use a third party attorneys in between. So that it, you're correct, it was a three party deal in the sense that you know 
I send funds from my wallet to the attorney's escrow wallet, if you will, and then they send it to their customer. Why? Because here's the big issue when it comes to crypto deals. You have to do a tremendous job of convincing the seller to be willing to consider the crypto offer. If you have a crypto buyer, you already have somebody that's that's into crypto, right? I mean, they're in. They 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 buy it. They get it. They, they've got a bunch of it, right? But now you've got to go out and find a property where the seller is willing to take this. So this is almost like another listing presentation, buyer's consultation sort of situation where now you're coming in as an outside, as a buyer's agent saying, hey, look, other agent, can I make the case to you? Or can I send a letter to your customer saying, hey, look, we have this offer that's crypto. This is why it's in your best interest to take it because that case has to get made now. Because I can't take my cryptocurrency and walk into Nordstrom and buy a pair of shoes. No, but you can go on PayPal and you can pay for anything off Nordstrom's website with it. With go. crypto. With crypto. Interesting. Absolutely. Yes. And and look, the ability to t exchange crypto for fiat currency is not a big deal. I mean, that's like saying, hey, is it is it hard to sell your stock or, 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 or you know, sell something? It's, it's a liquid currency. It's not like real estate. I mean, look. Let's talk about the bad with real estate really quickly. Real estate has one negative, one major negative downside. As a real estate investor, developer, I, I eat, live, breathe, and sleep this all the time. Real estate is not a liquid asset, right? It is our biggest, our biggest problem. The biggest thing that I have to take and do is I need to supplement my real estate portfolio always with some sort of an access to cash. Otherwise, I wind up with a lot of like a lot of real estate investors where I have millions of dollars of real estate and I can't figure out how to pay the light bill. That's the big knock with our investment. Now, it's one knock with a whole lot of positives. Believe me, don't get me started on the positives of real estate, guys. I love this stuff. I am a real estate investor. I, the guy I'm talking about that's cash poor, that's me. I'm, I've got millions of dollars of real estate. And it's always like, if I make any money, how do I buy something else? Yeah, yep. Of course, of course. So, so, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I've, dr I've, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. It, it's a thing. We're, we're Kool-Aid drinkers here, too. I, I know I'm amongst my people. And yeah. so... um. That liquidity issue does not exist with crypto. And so it is one of the benefits that crypto has over our investment types. As an investor, I know I know we got the investment guy here as well. So it probably, you know, gets where I'm coming from. Whenever you invest in anything, you're going to line up the, the pros and cons of that investment type and figure out how do I deal with the problems that there are with this investment type and, and how, how do I best take advantage of the benefits? I mean, we have tax benefits, we have all kinds of cool stuff in real estate, but that liquidity thing is an issue. And it's one that if I've got my crypto investor, and this is one of the things that I think is super cool with the crypto mortgages that exist now, it allows me to take my crypto position and borrow against that crypto position to get a position in real estate. And this gives me two different asset profiles in the same portfolio without having to liquidate any of my assets, which is something that I think is really, um, there's a technical term for it. I that. think that I, never, I, never knew you, I never knew that you could do something like that. So they're treating it as a piece of real estate and they're giving you or they're treating it more like a stock and they're letting you borrow against your stock portfolio. Basically, the loan that exists right now that I know of that's out there is a 100% LTV loan that you can take causing and it will require you to pledge 100% of the purchase price in crypto. But you're pledging it. You're not selling it. You're pledging it. It's being held in, a, in, in an escrow account, basically, on a major exchange for you. And as, as collateral against the loan. Now, for the lender, it's a very good loan because they're 200% collateralized. They have the first lien position in the property and they're holding all the crypto. Josh, so it's, quick question. So so in that example, what happens when the price of crypto drops? Right. And that's yes. one of the first, of course, it's one of the first questions I ask them. Is there a margin call? 
And the guy said, why should there be a margin call? If the crypto falls 80% in value, okay, now we're 120% collateralized in the loan. Because they're holding both the property and the they're holding both the crypto and the first lien position on the property. They have more collateral with that loan than any lender that we typically work with, right? So they're putting a first lien position. I didn't know that part. So they're they're yeah, not because yeah. right? when you borrow money against a stock, you're not putting a, a lien position on anything. You're just well, yes, yes, and yes and no. When you borrow money against the stock. You're giving them the right to liquidate your position at the stock. Right. Buy. But I mean, you're not putting that through to, to, you're not taking it out through to something else. So what you're saying is right. with the crypto loan, that's actually being attached to whatever they're buying in real estate. Correct. They're taking a first lien position on the real estate and, and they're, they're holding the crypto in escrow. Why do I like, what, what, what I like about this is if I'm a believer in crypto, if I'm a person that says, Hey, look, Everybody's screaming that Bitcoin was at 60,000, you know, a couple of years ago, and now it's at 16. But you know what? A year or two before that, it was at nine. So, uh, you know, nine to 16 is still a pretty good day at BlackRock, right? So if I'm still a believer in this thing, this allows me to maintain my position in crypto. And actually, instead of doing what most, most crypto investors have to do, sit there and just watch their crypto. They're looking at their crypto, their crypto's looking at them, and you can't do anything with it. You either got to hold it and sit there and watch it or, or nothing. That That's it. Now you can take that crypto, you can leverage it to get real estate. Now, the thing is, and this is the thing that drives me nuts with a lot of the agents that work with these crypto buyers, they, they, they get these crypto buyers into these pretty beautiful homes to live in. I'm saying by all means, guys, the big problem crypto investors have is they have no income. It's very hard to get them a mortgage. The reason why they got to buy stuff in, with, with the crypto the way that they do is they don't qualify for any kind of mortgages. And but so, I think and that's so, a great tool. So for me, I'm getting into a, I'm getting into an income producing property. That right. property now produces income. You now have income. You now qualify for traditional financing. It, I don't want to say like um, laundering the crypto almost, but it's it's taking the crypto. It's this crypto, which is kind of like this outlier of the investment world that doesn't have a whole lot of things you can do with it, and now bringing it in and kind of making it mainstream and giving you access. To that ability to it is the Ozark of uh, of cryptocurrency. So I th I think that having that loan ability, which I had no idea you could do uh, through crypto, is a is a huge plus. It actually opens up a whole new world of thoughts for me for yeah. crypto. But how do you overcome the 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 objections from a seller? So if I'm selling this property, and now we all know that real estate it takes a bit to transfer. You have to go through inspections. You have to go through um, I guess there there wouldn't be a mortgage approval here, but whatever uh, CO applications, whatever needs to happen. So let's say it takes two months from uh, contract to close. How how does the seller have that comfort that this crypto buyer is still going to have money at that point because of the volatility there? Now, unless they unless they go into the stable coin, like you said, mm -hmm. at the day of contract signing. Like I wouldn't, I would be very nervous to put myself in that position, wondering that this crypto buyer, their their money may become half because of the market. Right. Well, I mean, the 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 first thing I'm going to say is big deposit, and I don't care if they perform or not. Let them not perform. I'll take the big deposit and put it in my pocket. I mean, we we run the same risk theoretically with any buyer that they're going to be unable to perform. It becomes the buyer's responsibility to perform in the under the contract once that inspection period is done. Right? They they don't have an out. If there's no mortgage contingency, it's a cash deal. That buyer performs, they lose their deposit. So, um, from the seller standpoint, if I'm going to make the case to my seller, I'm going to say, "Hey, look, we're coming in with a sizable deposit, even if this buyer doesn't perform." 
you're walking out way ahead of the game. But one way or the other, at the same time, the conversation I'm having with the buyer is don't be out of your mind. Get into a stable yeah. coin. I mean, what do you think? Maybe you're going to be mad at me. Well, it's also it, you have to be you have to be smart enough as that agent to to recognize and, and tell them to get out of the crypto. They may not understand that. I, I guess if and someone as an agent, you, you have to know what you're doing. Well, you I mean, it's a new have. world yeah, um, yeah. and I don't know that you're required to know how someone's going to how they're how they're going to use their investment money. But um, that that is an interesting perspective to it. I still think that a, a lot of people, if they're selling, let's say their primary residence and they don't really want the headache of, of going back um, and having to resell it. I mean, I'm all for losing, having someone lose their deposit. Uh, for me specifically, I'd love to get that extra 20%. It's like selling the house again for 20 for, you know, and getting an extra free 20%. But I don't know if everybody could handle that. And so um, I would say that there's there's a couple of things. One, idea that you kind of kind of touched on gently, which is the idea of being aware of the risks. Um, as the real estate professional in the room, the agent should always, always, always. If I'm talking to an investor and I want to take and make the case that they should work with me over the ten other agents I know they're out there working with, I'm going to take and let them know exactly how aware I am of all the risks that they have to deal with, and show them exactly how, as a real estate professional, we mitigate those risks. Because this is supposed to be my jam. They're coming to me in my turf on the thing that is the way I make a living. And my ability to take and understand what what they need to deal with and show them, hey, look, I'm not like those other agents out there. Because, folks, I got to tell you, the general impression that folks have of of agents is not the greatest in, in society right now. We have to do damage control on that on the way in the door. Otherwise, they're going to treat us just like everybody they treat other agents. And that. And, and the word that really comes to mind as to how most consumers feel about agents is imminently replaceable. They think they could just take and replace this agent with that agent. And everything that I do and everything that I write, all the course, it even says it right there by my head, close for life. I don't believe in closing deals. I believe you close customers for life. I want to leave that customer with an experience they don't feel like they can duplicate anyplace else. If I take and close a deal and get paid and that customer will work with somebody else besides me, that's called failure in my business. Correct. Love that. I, I have the same philosophy. We have two questions from, from the sure. peanut gallery here. Uh, Naftuli wants to know, um, aren't they making more and more crypto? Like out in the world, do you, they're making? She says we're getting more and more crypto. Different, I guess she means different companies, or he means different companies. And, and so how do you choose coins. it? Yeah, yeah different coins. So isn't that putting more crypto out into the world? Where you said there was a set amount. I said there's a set amount of Bitcoin. Bitcoin. So understand this: when we talk about cryptocurrency, there's a lot of cryptocurrencies that are using blockchain technology to ride on the coattails of what Bitcoin has done and try to solve what are either real or perceived problems that exist within Bitcoin. One of the big problems that Bitcoin has is scalability. Bitcoin at peak capacity can only handle a small fraction of the transactions that somebody like American Express or Visa does in a day. Well, if this is a worldwide currency, that's a bit of a problem, right? And so these other people are coming in trying to solve these problems, but they don't make more Bitcoin. They're making an alternate to Bitcoin. So it would be like saying, if we have problems with a dollar, does that necessarily mean there's problems with the euro? Got it. It's a different currency. And so if you're going to take and be a currency investor, which understand when you're investing in, in crypto, you're kind of a hybrid technology and currency investor 
simultaneously. You're picking this currency that you think is going to do better than the currency you're trading in for. In the case of me, if I was buying crypto, I'm exchanging my dollars for this crypto that I think is going to outperform my dollars. Right? And understand this, it's actually, this is one that agents don't think about all the time. But when I'm asking my customer to buy real estate, I'm asking them to exchange their dollars for real estate. I'm saying, hey, look, the thing that I'm trying to sell you, I think is going to outdo your dollars. With all this inflation that's going on, folks, how do you think the dollar's going to, how do you think real estate's going to do? All this inflation, dollar's not going to do well. Dollar's been getting its butt kicked. Real estate, on the other hand, has been doing quite well. I know we're up to like two and a half, three, four months on market right now, and everybody thinks the world is coming to an end. <laughs> but, so how, how but do you... We, there's tons of data we could look at the, on that front. But but to, to kind of finish answering your question, um, one of the things that you have to look at before you invest in any cryptocurrency, the thing called the tokenomics, which is the, the, the economics of that token. Some tokens have an unlimited supply some some cryptocurrencies they're just going to keep making some currencies they burn some they all kinds of things the one that made this thing the reason why we're even talking about this is because of bitcoin bitcoin is the one that proved that it works bitcoin has never been hacked and no one runs it it runs on its own and when you get your head wrapped around those two crazy things in a world where every major bank, every major financial institution has been hacked at some point, it's pretty powerful. So how, how, how would you say crypto has affected real estate? Has it really had an effect on real estate yet? Do you think it will? It hasn't in a meaningful way yet, other than... I, I definitely am watching all these states and local associations scramble to try to get out in front of this thing a little bit. They can see it's coming. Now, that's cooled significantly since the price, since what's going on in crypto recently has happened. And that's to be expected. Um, I would say that the nature of that problem that I talked about with Bitcoin, the fact that it, it, it can handle only a certain number of transactions, that problem means that there's going to be higher transaction fees with these cryptos. So, I mean, like, it would be what the kind of use case for this crypto would be. So let's say, I'm guys, I'm a little bit of a fat kid here. Like when it comes to sweets, I'm all in. So let's say I hear the good humor truck coming. I think, you know what? I really want an ice cream sandwich. If I know there's a $50 transaction fee with my Bitcoin to go buy that $5 ice cream sandwich, I'm going to use cash and not my crypto, right? I mean, it just makes sense. But if if I have that same $50 transaction fee to buy a $700,000 house, do I really mind that $50 transaction fee? Nope. It's the smallest line item on my closing statement, right? Yes. And so the nature, the dollar value of our transaction is the reason why people see this as something that's going to affect real estate more and more because there's a lot of wealth tied up. At, at the high point, Bitcoin was the third largest currency by value in the world behind only the dollar and the euro. And that's just Bitcoin by itself. So- for those reasons, it's like the handwriting is on the wall that eventually this is going to have a major impact on real estate. It's had some. The governments are, are scrambling to take and regulate it and also to create the laws on how to close it. Because as it turns out right now, like title companies, there's a whole bunch of title companies that will not underwrite a crypto deal for no good reason. They don't have a good reason. why They're like, we just don't want to. So now, so now oh Thank Go you. Ahead, so Josh, quick question. Can you just walk us through? If I'm a seller, I'm selling my property, I want a million dollars, and a buyer wants to offer it to me in Bitcoin. So I agree to it. They send over the Bitcoin. We convert it to USD stablecoin. Is that right? You no, you wouldn't they you wouldn't send it to the seller. You would set you would I would have look, the seller doesn't really need to know. <laughs> 
<laughs> what the buyer's doing. Uh, if there's going to be an escrow agent, they're going to send that those funds over in a way that's agreed to by the two parties. So if I want that, if I want the escrow funds, if the seller agrees that the escrow funds can be held in Bitcoin or they want them held in a stable coin or whatever, that's their escrow money. So the seller is going to weigh in on how that escrow is held and what it's held in. Okay, so but, so once that transfer is made, stablecoin and bit, it's a one-to-one -one ratio in terms of value. It's an even exchange. Yeah. All right, and what if from from USD stablecoin, it has to be converted to a USD dollar, right? It doesn't have to be converted to the USD. If, it, but it, you it, can it, convert it, it to cash, can't you? Absolutely. The choice to convert it out of crypto into a fiat currency is a hundred percent at the discretion of the seller because it becomes the seller's asset once the exchange is done. done. Right. You don't have to do that. If you had $10 million in crypto and you're buying a $1 million house, you don't have to convert anything. He's just saying right. it just gives that like you've locked in your price. It's almost like when you sell mm -hmm. when you sell that stock that just doubled. Now, you know that you've made that money versus if you're waiting, you, you know. Right. So I guess I mean, the concern is, is USD stable? Has it been stable for the past few years throughout all this? Is what the stable coins? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there have been, there have been stable coins. I mean, the 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 Luna incident is yeah. one where a a stable coin lost its peg, um, and that was an algorithmic stable coin where they, you know, all the computer geniuses that want to play God said, "We've done math so good that nobody's going to be able to screw this up. It's going to work yeah. automatically." And unfortunately, Bitcoin still winds up being one of the few instances of anything that anybody set up that runs on its own that actually works the way it's supposed to. Luna and um, and and it's stablecoin, they they lost its peg. There are other stablecoins that have held their peg, and they they have different ways that they each again tokenomics is the answer. Each stablecoin uses a different method to take and maintain its peg to the dollar. Some of it are holding large blocks of cash in order to do that. With with the the one in particular, that I think you're referring to, it lost its peg because it was just basically using math to buy, sell, and burn tokens in order to take and maintain that peg to keep those values and um some investors found a hole in the algorithm and started doing an arbitrage play that allowed them to take and make it make it they made a bunch of money but they also caused it to lose its peg and, and thus hurt a lot of people is crypto so jeff uh jeff says wait until crypto is taxed so is crypto not taxed do you get out of some tax implications there i know you're oh. not a cpa but <laughs> all right so look, there's about one thing that I can think of off the top of my head where it comes to investment that is not taxed by the IRS. The IRS is like the worst business partner you ever want to have. If you make any money ever, they're sitting right there saying, um, where's mine? Where's my taste? Yeah. Right. When you lose money, they do you a big favor. They say, hey, look, you know what? We'll let you carry forward that loss till next year. They never kick any money in, but they always are ready to take a dollar as soon as, as, soon as you make something. Right. Yeah. So there's only one place that I know of where you don't have to pay tax and you have a major gain. And it's our product, real estate. You have a $250,000 and $500,000 exclusion on your primary residence. With cryptocurrency, absolutely, if they know about it, they're going to want to tax it. Right. No two ways about it. Now, one of the things and one of the reasons why people like cryptocurrency is it's possible that they, you have a bunch of it and they don't know anything about it. If you were mining the cryptocurrency... If you were actually own computers that you made computing power available to take and verify transaction and you would earn cryptocurrency that way and not declared it, there's no way they know about it. I'm not suggesting to do that. I'm just saying it's it's something that it's very, very difficult for them to track.
So basically, so the so basically, what what we're hearing here is, is there ri there's risk regardless of using crypto. There's risk from the buyer side. There's risk from the seller side because that stable coin could lose its pay the week before you needed to use it to pay for your closing, right? Um, that would be that would be like saying in my mind. But it's possible. Like, it, it's is there a risk associated with having your money in a mutual fund or with an investor? I'm sorry, with a uh, a major um, GE stock. I, I'm not going to say GE stock. I, I'm going to say with with a ma um, a major fund manager. Okay. Because Bernie Madoff committed fraud and a whole bunch of people lost money. But there still is a risk. The Bernie Madoff risk, sure. Is, is is there a risk that a meteorite comes and hits me in the head right now and we don't get to finish this? Yeah, I mean, like there's risk associated with everything. everything. Okay. <laughs> We're in real estate, guys, right? And so with real estate, there's always risk. It's measuring that risk and figuring out how we mitigate this risk. This, this is what the business is about. So could we look at the, the 10 other stable coins that have consistently maintained their peg and said, hey, let's look to these guys because even with this market having done everything that it's done, um, these guys have managed to take and do the thing right. Or do we want to look at the one that that got busted out? It's reasonable to put that forward. I, I completely okay. agree. I, I just want to take and mitigate that some by saying there's a whole bunch of people that have done it the right way. Got it. To, to use the one outlier and say this this is indicative of everything. Uh, I don't know that it's it, it's it doesn't tell the full picture. There's there's some mitigation. Well, Jeff chimed in and he said, "So cash is king, crypto is prince, just waiting for the king to die." No, 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 no. Cash is not cash is not king. Well, no, borrowed money is king. Borrowed ah. money is king. Absolutely. For all these folks who are out there that I'm going to buy cash. I'm going to look, you do a differential cash flow. It's one of the things that I love to teach agents because when we sell real estate as an investment, guys, we are selling time. We are selling the future. That's what we sell. If you buy a piece of real estate today and sell it tomorrow, you will lose money, period, because of the closing costs on the way in and the closing costs on the way out. But over time, the appreciation of that real estate, that's where the value is. And especially if it's an income producing piece of real estate, those rents, which way do rents go over time? Yep. They go up. Always that. They always go up because the value of money is always going down. Always. Disproportionately, it's going down now. So actually, that's that's a good point. That brings us into inflation. So talk to talk to us about, I know this is one of your favorite topics. How is if inflation? infecting real estate and is inflation infecting crypto like where do we go with this inflation should we be um buying everything now because the price is going to go up should we not be buying like where do we go with this um you know i love the question because of the way that you asked it how is it affecting crypto i have no clue and the reason why i have no clue is because i have no history with crypto it's one of the things i love about being a real estate investor i have this big beautiful long history of real estate that i can look to to see how economic pressures have affected real estate prices over time Right. I mean, we, we've we've got hundreds of years of real estate and, and even even in the period of time since the 1940s, we have the secondary market. We have a very stable industry of investment that we can look at to see how various economic pressures have affected things with crypto. It's since what, like 2009 when hackers were, were messing around with it. I don't I don't know how it's going to be oh, affected. There's by no it, history by there to look back on the history. And so. Honestly, when it comes to inflation and answering this question, rather than listening to the mortgage brokers who are all screaming because they've lost all the refi business and they think the world is coming to an end, and real estate agents are watching the market transition from when we had an average time on market of what, six, seven seconds for most listings to now where it's three months, four months, 
I mean, it seems, it, it seems like we're getting back to this world called normalcy. I don't know if you guys remember that place where, where things were normal. We don't, we don't live in the normal, normal world here, though. Where sellers maybe have to make a concession or two to get the home sold. Like we we, we actually, maybe a listing agent returns a phone call. You know that world? I, I don't know if you guys remember that. <laughs> we haven't seen that for what, two years, three oh, years? It's been a while. We always return our phone calls, but yeah, I hear you. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> I, I would say that taking a step back is the position that I came at this from and said, all right, let's see how real estate has behaved every single time that the value of money has gone down. And it's seeing as we're going to take, we're going through a period right now of unusually high inflation. Let's go back in history to the most recent period of time where we suffered similar economic pressures. When was that? 1970s into the 1980s, hands down. All right. So let me, I'm going to give you some, some quick and dirty numbers. All right. 1970, average home price of a home in the United States of America, $17,000. Mortgage interest rate in 1970, 7.6%. Okay. By 1980, mortgage interest rate, 16.77%. Wow. I, I asked my bulldog about that. You know what he said to me? Rough. That is <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> 16 point. So, so let me ask you a question because I, I, I listen to everybody on the news today and home prices are going to come crashing down because these interest rates got up to 7%. How much did all the home prices fall from 1970 to 1980? I'm assuming that they went, they went up actually. Yeah. How about the average home price was $47,200 by 1980, giving you a total aggregated appreciation of 177.6% from 1970 to 1980. They just kept on going up. Um, guess what the total aggregate inflation was from 1970 to 1980? 103.45%. My real estate out more than 70% for the decade. And let me help you out for my real estate and vet my people out there, the folks that own and like to rent stuff out. Rents were up 125% in the same time period. So not only did my rents, but my property out-appreciate inflation. You want to know why we're in the right place at the right time. We have the perfect product for this type of market, period, hands down. So real estate is the path to wealth, which is what we always talk about. 100% and more so disproportionately in this type of market, because where else are you going to go? We've come through a nice long period of good economic growth with stability. That's why our stock market has done so well. But here's the thing. When there's a recession, how does the stock market go? It doesn't do well because all the values of the stocks are based upon the earnings. If you have negative economic growth, that means earnings are going to go down. Unless you're picking the right companies, unless you're doing a really good job of picking them, odds are you're going to experience losses. As opposed to, I could pull up if, if, if for anybody that's going to be there at the triple play event, I, I'm going to be doing this class. That's right, Josh. You're going to be a triple play with us. I'm going to be a triple play. and I'm going to be putting on this class. I have all the charts and the graphs to back all this stuff up. Let me tell our viewers, we will, the Center for Real Estate Education will be at triple play. That's for the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania people. Real estate market. Yep. Yeah, for the tri-state area for realtors. And Josh is going to be teaching there. So if you're listening to us and you're going to be at triple play in December 5th through the 8th uh, of 2022, go and say hello to Josh and just Give him a hug for me and tell him that you saw him on our on our uh, podcast. Yeah, but you're going to see him. You can give him a hug directly. I know, but I uh. want him just to have random people walking up to him and giving him hugs. <laughs> what, I'm not this popular. <laughs> so, I mean, kind of to summarize this whole thing, the next time that real estate prices go down in a meaningful way in an inflationary market, 
it will be the first time it's ever happened. I was just looking at the numbers today. I was looking at an article that was absolutely so written with such an inflammatory and misleading title about how much real estate prices have fallen this past month. It's not that the real estate prices fell. It's the rate of growth of prices fell. We're up 15% nationwide from last year to this year, guys. 15%. What are we, we're complaining. So the prices didn't actually fall. It was the rate of growth that fell. So it was growing at one pace and now it's paced down, but it's still growing. Our article came out about uh, three or four days ago. Uh, It was simply how new home sale prices unexpectedly rose. Now, I think the only people that that were not expecting home prices to go up when the value, when the price of everything else is going up, by the way. I mean, the, if the price of everything else is going up, why wouldn't the price of real estate go up? We're still buying the less value, using the less valuable money to buy it. Uh, what about real estate makes it so that it's not, not going to go up? But I think the people that didn't expect prices to go up are the same ones that were telling us how how transitory this inflation was going to be. I just, um, bought a, I just bought a house a month ago, had it appraised, and I'm refinancing it at a lower rate than I bought it. And it went up almost 3% in that one month. And I'm like, this is just nuts. It's great to be in the right thing at the right time, isn't it? Yep. It's amazing. And so folks, so let me let me take in and kind of put in the, the caveat here. When does it not make sense to be in real estate when you're in an inflationary market? At the tail end of an inflationary market. And when I talk about a tail end, I'm talking about when those interest rates get up, get so high that it hurts to get out of bed in the morning. Right, we're talking the 18, 21% range where they got in, in 19 in the early 1980s. Then your real estate appreciation starts to trail significantly behind the inflation. But at that point, it's time to sell your real estate and get into treasury bills or something like that. Because then the treasury bills are at 14, 15%. And who wouldn't mind locking that in? But other than that, when there's an inflationary market, as long as the value of money is going down disproportionately and the rate of the interest rate is below the rate of inflation. The, the, the federal funds rate is below the rate of inflation. Stay long in real estate. Thank you. Agreed. So, but does the, does inflation affect people who are like these guys who buy and hold and, you know, they're, they're, they have income producing um, properties versus people who are buying just to flip? So with, with flippers, I mean, we have seen a sharp change in the market because we went from this this ridiculously fast growth uh, to a, a more stable type of growth in the real estate market. Um, I've done some flipping of homes. It's not my favorite thing to do uh, in general because I don't like paying short-term capital gains being one uh, major reason. And it's really just only a way to take and, and create liquidity. I much prefer where these guys are, buy, buy and hold. Buy and hold is going to do disproportionately well in this market. Buy and hold is where it's at. My my, If I have somebody that comes to me and says, I want to sell my house, usually they're walking out of my office, keeping their house, borrowing against it, and getting long in multifamily. And when I say buy and hold, to me, the buy and hold in this market is multifamily. And the reason why I say that is because you win on inflation three ways when you do real estate the right way. The real estate appreciates disproportionately when there's uh, inflation. The rents go up faster when there's inflation. And if you borrowed the bank's money, you've borrowed it and spent it when it's most valuable and you're paying the bank back with future garbage, less valuable money. So you don't you don't think it's har- harder in an inflationary market to buy multifamily property because- Of course it is. I, I, the, the, 
Oh, I guess people can't see uh, the screen, so I, I won't. But I, I, one of the things that I'm going to show at, at the, the triple play event is the differential cash flow of a property. What a property is worth. So, I mean, if you use the simple income valuation model, which is cap rate in reverse, if, if, well, I, let's, let's, let's do it this way. Let's say that I'm projecting 3% real estate growth. Now, from 1985 to, well, I guess about 2020, we were using 3% for our portfolio growth. That was kind of the historically the number that you used, right? Three, three and a half percent, right? That was a safe kind of, this is what it should grow into. Do you know what that number was for the 1970s and 1980s, early first part of the 1980s? I don't. It was 9%. So here's the thing. If my property is going to not appreciate anymore at 3%, it's going to now appreciate at 9%. For the next several years, am I willing to pay more for that exact same property? Would I accept a lower rate of return to buy that property because the outlook for that property appreciating is significantly better and the outlook for the rents going up is significantly better? Yes, but don't you think all of that, the, the sellers are going to be more reluctant to sell because their selling price points are coming down? Because now with the higher interest rates, the, the loan to qualify for a loan. So yeah, if you're a cash buyer, different scenario in theory but if you need to get a loan to buy that property don't you think a lot a lot of sellers are not going to sell because their value went down because of the inflation in that respect the sellers the sellers have seen their values on multifamily go up so yes except for the fact that if you have to go and use some, you have to get a loan based on cash flow right. a dscr loan sure Right. And your your rate now is six percent versus what it was a couple months ago at three percent Forget six, man. You're at seven and a half, seven, seven and a half, maybe even eight. Absolutely. Yep. What's going to happen is going to be that you're going to see a reduction in the LTVs that people are able to get on these properties on the way in. They're going to have to use more cash to get in. So so the 75, 80% LTV that you maybe could have gotten, you're probably rocking closer to 60, 65% LTV. You're going to have to bring more cash in to get your position in real estate locked in. But the question is whether or not, because kind of back to this idea that I, I talked about at the beginning, I'm always asking the customer when I ask them to buy real estate to take a short position in cash and a longer position in real estate, right? And so when we look at the outlook for cash, does anybody here think the, the inflation's going away tomorrow? A anybody? No? Okay. So I got to be making eight to 9% of my money to stand still. To stand still, I got to be making eight or 9% just not to be losing buying power. How do we think the outlook for real estate looks? Well, real estate historically has this great reputation of being a hedge against inflation. And if you look at all the charts, it's lived up to it every single time. So I think there's a good reason to think that the real estate prices are going to continue to go up disproportionately from the way that they have. If that's the case, if the outlook is getting, uh, we have to look at what? what? What else can we look at, right? As alternative uses of capital, the stock market, we've talked about that a little bit. Cryptocurrency, maybe you want to take and stick your toe in the water there, but where else are you going to go but real estate that has this kind of reputation for real estate, uh, for, for appreciation when there's inflation? If that's the case, I need to figure out not, you know, am I overpaying so much? I need to figure out how I extend my position, how I increase my exposure to real estate. How real do you estate. get in? So it's you're, you're more about just getting in, getting in, getting in. You got you to gotta get in while the getting is good. Even at a five cap, four and a half caps that I'm seeing all over the place. I'm still taking that position, even though I'm at almost no cash flow on, at least on paper. I'm still getting the depreciation. But what's that? What's the appreciation those properties look like for the last two years? Yeah, 
So, so last words, crypto versus inflation. What's more scary? Which one's more positive? What do we need to work, worry about in the next 30 to 90 days? I think understanding inflation is where the market is today. It's my favorite class to teach because I get to get in front of a bunch of agents and talk about the market as it is today. Crypto is the market is as it will be in the future. I mean, we start talking about smart contracts and things like that. Man, it, it just, there's so much good that can come from this in the next several years, but that's the next several years. Inflation to me is today and dealing with today and having that relevant conversation that puts you in the customer's mind as being different than what they perceive a normal real estate agent to be. You can make that case. That's how you close the customer for life. Awesome. What I've heard you say, Josh, and I just, first I want to, Remind everyone to subscribe, 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 push that button. You can hear more from Josh. You're going to, I mean, we have people like Josh who just have this wealth of knowledge. And I'm so excited to meet you next week. What about me and Omar? Yes, you can hear from them too. Um, <laughs> But um, subscribe. You can get us on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, all of that good stuff. But what I've learned from you today, Josh, and this is what I'm taking away, and it might be very simple, but I'm taking away that it's probably a really good time to learn about crypto and get into crypto because even though it's on the down decline right now, this is it's always the decline is always where opportunity lies, right? And that yeah. it is always a good time to get into real estate because real estate outpraces the economy in most part, uh, the the inflation. The inflation, absolutely. No, I, I would agree with it. I won't say it's always a great time to get into real estate, but right now is a disproportionately great time to get into real estate. Two years ago would have been even better. But uh, even so, you know, we're always trying to make, help our customers to make the best decision they can with the information that's available. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons why I love teaching differential cash flow. It teaches agents to start to look at the present and see what the present tells us about what the future should look like. Uh, we're, we're selling the future, so we have to quantify that. Thank you, Josh. And, and and again, I look forward to reading the roadmap to the American dream. I already read it. Right. I am the A student here. But my question to you, my big question to end this is what are you driving on the roadmap to the American dream? When you're reading that roadmap, what car are you driving? Is it a Cadillac? As it stands right now, it's a Cadillac. Cadillac. All right. <laughs> do you drive a Cadillac? I do. I do currently drive a Cadillac, but I will tell you this and Noel, you'll appreciate this because that book does talk about the idea of underconsumption. I went from a Corvette to a Chevy Cruze for six years as my penance to take and get my journey on the roadmap. The American dream started again after I lost everything in 2008. Wow. Now I own a portfolio of all these properties. I must own 50, 60 properties all over the country. You have to underconsume, folks. The biggest thing I can tell you is the biggest lie in this country is live within your means. You got to live below your means and allocate as much to invest as you can. In order to get on that roadmap. Well, thanks for, thanks for having us. Thanks so and much. And thanks for, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you at Triple Play. Stay with us for one second. See you later, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Remember, if you build it, if you visualize it, you can own it. Bye. Oh. <laughs>